Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode four of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. The internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing on this beautiful Monday night? Not bad, man. Uh, feeling a tiny bit pressed for time, but that's cool. Yeah, I mean, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. This is... Is this the latest we've ever recorded the show? You know, I want to I say that it is, except that I remember recently having this exact same conversation, so it might tie for like three episodes ago. Well, yeah, uh, it might be the latest we've ever done an episode, and it will hopefully go up on time, which I think Mark is actually going to be able to pull off. But no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I got a new phone. Did I tell you this? No, I'm very excited for it. You. you haven't gotten a new phone it's... in, what, five years? It's something like five years. I just, like, there's not really a story. I just went into the store and I was like, listen, my phone is so old that like apps don't know what to do with it anymore. And so I need a new one. And he was like, oh, well, what can I get for you? And I was like, I want literally like the cheapest phone that you have that is still a phone. And I could see his like heart fall. He's like, you want this one? It was like $150. And it's already better than the old phone I had. Well, sure. Um, yeah, but it's great. So I got a new phone. That's not even a star. I just got a new phone. The battery lasts forever. It's like super fast as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I'm good. That was very exciting. Yeah. Got a little bonus half star out of there. Speaking of the stars, Dave, um, before we get into this week's episode, uh, which, by the way, is episode four of Choriki Sentai O-Ranger, Bizarre Iron Man Papa. Uh, before we start talking about that, we are going to go through our award-winning opening segment, Dave. Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to hear our first star of the week? Man, nothing would delight me more. Oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Because uh, I was going to roll into it anyway. And if you were not excited <laughs> about it, this would have gotten real weird real quick. Uh, so yeah, Matt, what's our first star of the week? So first star of the week is that I went camping this past weekend. Nice. Well, okay. When I say camping, I mean I was in the woods this past weekend. But I wasn't like camping camping you know it was yeah i was gonna say i saw pictures and also it was very cold it was, yeah it was extremely cold um it was like 20 degrees one night we tried to start a fire because we brought all this wood and we felt like we ought to start a fire uh we started the fire and we're out for exactly as long as it took to like get it lit appreciate staring at it and wait for it to burn down enough that we could like pour some water on it and then we went back inside to the warmth well, yeah, that is, you told me you were going camping. I knew you were going to go camping a little while ago. And as this weekend was rolling up, I said, dude, are you um, prepared for this? No, I mean, the, an the answer is going to be like in the 20s. The answer would have been absolutely not. Um, but this was like a heated cabin with a kitchen and bathroom sort of deal. Yeah, 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 good camping. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like Wi-Fi camping, you know, like there wasn't a TV in the cabin, but... It, there were heaters and beds and a shower and a refrigerator. Yeah, no, that's... Exactly. That's good camping. Like, if you're going to have TV and Wi-Fi, you may as well not even bother. But, like, out in the woods, in a cabin where it's warm, and there are heaters and a stove, but you can, like, sit out on the porch and enjoy the woods. Yeah, you, that's... you can look out the window and see trees and a lake, which, actually, I live, like, pretty close to Lake Erie, so I can kind of always uh, see yeah, a okay, lake. Yeah, okay, that's true. I have to right. walk for a few but blocks no, to get there. But, no, that's... That's idea, and like I'm sure that it's all a bunch of paneling, right? Everything's made out of oh, wood. So much wood paneling. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's ideal camping at this point in my life. That's pretty much where I'm at. Um, so this was this was a trip with uh, producer Mark and uh, other friends of ours from college, Brian and Eric, who the the four of us lived in like a suite for two years in college and just spent yeah. like. Outside of spending time with, like, everyone in our larger group all the time, the four of us were spending time together, like, all the time, all the time in those years. And so... You guys, like, shared a bathroom. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And so we will do periodic get-togethers of just the four of us. And we hadn't done one in a while, and it was really good to get back together with those guys, just the four of us. Even though, like, I had just seen those three guys together a couple of months ago. But, you know, it's different right. when you have sort of, like, different configurations of people. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anything fun? I mean, did you you had a good time? I trust. Oh, yeah. Is there? A... Um, I did almost drive my car into a lake. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so this this was this like a bad GPS signal. I well, mean... okay. So this campground is on the Ohio Pennsylvania border. It's called Pima Tuning State Park. If I'm pronouncing that correctly. And sure. Um, I mean, listen. That's as far as you and I know. That's what it's called. And for the purposes of this discussion, I am 100% correct, and there's no reason to doubt me. Um, <laughs> but it is right on the border of Ohio and Pennsylvania. And so what this means is that there's actually kind of two Pima Tuning State Parks because they're uh, in different yeah, states. Okay. Yes, right. There's the Ohio one. and the Right. Right. Totally makes sense. And so the cabin was on the Pennsylvania side, but I obviously was coming from the Ohio side. And the whole way to this campground... All of the roads were, like, brand new. It was as though they had just, like, finished repaving, like, that entire part of Ohio, which was very strange. Um, Listen, all of Ohio, Matt, is in the process of either desperately needing to be repaved, being repaved, or has recently... You hit the six-month sweet spot, Matt. Oh, yeah. Because the roads in Ohio are only good for, like, a maximum of, of maybe eight or nine months. And then they're in desperate need of being repaved. Well, okay, I almost so hit, you hit the zone. <laughs> Dave, I got so close close to hitting the zone because what happened was for the first like hour and 20 minutes of this hour and a half drive, I was on beautiful pristine roads. The last couple of miles, I was just driving down 322 and all of a sudden there are ri- signs in front of me that say road closed and there are no detour signs. Uh <laughs> And so, like, I've got my GPS, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll just take a left, and eventually it'll loop me back around. That's fine. Right. But the problem was we got this dual state park situation going on. And so I accidentally end up driving into the Ohio side, but the Ohio side doesn't have, like, winter winter cabins. And so it's not actually open, I don't think, but, like, there was no gate to stop me from driving through. And so I'm okay. I'm just kind of like slowly driving through this pitch black campground, and I well, I'm see glad you made it out, Matt. That's prime axe murderer territory. Oh, sure. Which you had stumbled well, I, into. Listen, I didn't get out of the car, but that was a that was a key step to my process. Um, and so I'm driving along, and I see in front of me that all of a sudden the road sort of like dips down into an inky blackness, but there isn't a lot of lights around to begin with. And so I couldn't, t- I legitimately, like, almost drove that way because I couldn't tell if that was, like, the inky blackness of the lake at night in pitch blackness or if it was just, like, a weird turn where my headlights weren't, like, following down a curve. And if I kept going, anything, right. then I would actually get into the part of the park that I needed to be in. And so I just sat there for, like, a couple of minutes and stared at it. Because, of course, I didn't want to get out of the car because of the aforementioned potential axe murderer. murderer. Yeah, 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 obviously. And so I just sat there for a while until eventually I just saw a leaf float across the surface of it. And I'm like, okay, Ah. we are good. It is time to (laughs) turn around. Uh, and (laughs) And eventually I did get there after a lot of, like... You know how it is. You spend an hour and 20 minutes driving on a straight line and everything's perfect. And then for the last three miles, you just drive around in circles for an extra half an hour. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Um, I absolutely know what you're talking about. That's the worst. uh, But it was one of those. And it was a ton of fun. Uh, It was great to see those guys. And um, I will move on now to our second star of the week. Dave, what do we got going on here? So our second star of the week, Matt, is a little bit of D&D nerding out Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Oh, this is, is the one okay. with the beholder on the cover, right? I mean, yes, it is. Well, well, Matt, it sometimes is. But if you happen to live next to a shop that is like an officially licensed Wizards of the Coast pre-release shop, oh, first of all, the book is out already, and second of all, it has like a cool variant cover because oh, there's I nothing nerds love more than than cool variant colors. Sure, yeah, yeah, collect yeah, all five uh, covers. Right. If you uh, if you, you check are, out the Wizards of the Web Coast website, you will see it. You are talking to someone who owns six copies of Adjectiveless X-Men number one. <laughs> I forgot that that was a true thing about you. Yep. So anyways, Xanathar's Guide to Everything is out. And uh, man, it is okay. I'm not going to let you guys rewrite your characters, but I'm sort of tempted to let you. No, whatever. Okay, if you guys want to rewrite your characters, you can't. Because 
there's a ton of new class options. Uh, oh, Zandler's really? guide basically, yeah. This is the this is the bulk of the book. Is um, they have basically doubled the subclass options for every every class. Oh wow! Uh, real yeah, real quickly uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, you're like a fighter or a wizard or a rogue or whatever. But in fifth edition, you choose that, and then you also at some point in your like character's heroic progression. You choose a sort of specialization, right? Sure. So everybody's like, you know, rogues are rogues, but you might be a thief or an assassin or an arcane trickster, right? And they all have like slightly like, variations on a thief, but they're all rogues. So Xanathar's Guide to Everything Matt has basically doubled the amount of subclass options. There's like that between two and four exciting. new options for everybody. Yeah. That's super cool. There's a ton of stuff about, uh, there's like, there's a bunch of new magic items and there's some new spells, which is cool. And one of the things that I have seen some people um, get a little bit like sore about online, um, which I don't know why I should be surprised. People get sore about things online all the time. I was going to say. I know, right? The devil you say. Online? (laughs) Is that there's a lot of stuff in there that, uh, that seems to be like super basic. Like, for example, there's 20 pages just of names. Like, hey, do you want a Celtic name? Here's like a bunch of pages of that. Which, okay, listen. On one hand, if you're like a super veteran gamer and you've been like playing games forever and you're just like, yeah, this is my name, and you just roll. Yeah, like that's awesome for you. But I think it's actually very cool that Wizards seems to have gone out of their way to produce a book that really definitely uh, has a lot of stuff that's geared towards new players to people who like haven't been playing Dungeons and Dragons forever or maybe have never played it. Oh yeah. And and listen, I mean, even if you're playing with people who've been playing for ages, there is at least an 80% chance that someone in your game's character has the dumbest name you've ever heard. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Which is amazing because it doesn't matter how many, somebody always manages to top the previous bar. But I think it actually is really interesting uh, as Dungeons and Dragons is developing because I read, Matt, I don't know if I told you this, I read a New York Times article about the D&D boom. Really? Like, the New York Times? Yeah, about how like D&D is coming back and people who have never played D&D are sort of like discovering it. And uh, they actually referenced, they referenced the Adventure Zone and they referenced um, another critical role which is a which is a live play podcast, and uh, and so I think Wizards is very keenly aware that there's a bunch of new people playing their games, and they're they're taking steps to open up the gaming hobby in a really cool and conscious way, which I think is rad because gaming is super fun, and I'm glad that more people are doing it. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I'll let you. You'll be able to check it out next time. Uh, next time I see you, but Xanathar's Guide to Everything totally worth the buy. Uh, what map is our third star of the week? Uh, Dave, speaking of games, and also speaking of things I did this weekend from the first star, if you remember all that way back. Um, I yeah, I seem to it's you camped. I think right. Yes. There were some people involved, maybe friends of ours. Is that mm-hmm, sounding? Mm-hmm. There was some fishing okay, cool. that I yeah, did yeah, not yeah. participate in uh, because that sounds, it was that very sounds cold, right. and I don't fish. Um, although I'll tell you, when I saw them have like just piles of cool specialty gear, I'm like, man, I am not interested in fishing, but I love piles of cool specialty gear. Um, I got a, I had a moment where I thought about fishing, and then I remembered that like that that I, it is probably far too late in my life, not for me to start fishing, but for me to start caring about fishing. You know what I mean? Mm, like it's too late yep. to cultivate yeah, yeah, that yeah. desire. If the desire was there, it is not too late to start doing it. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about, Dave. I want to talk to you about the one of the games that we played, because we brought a couple of board games as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you played Pandemic Cthulhu? Oh, dude, I have. Okay. It's real, real good. Uh, here's the thing. I don't like Pandemic, like the that's... sort of standard Pandemic game. Um, I do like Pandemic, but it is totally fair to not like Pandemic. And, like, I recognize that it is a well-constructed game, but there is something about it that just, like, does not appeal to me. Can I tell you what I think it probably is, Matt? Uh, is that you, on like the human side, can play a perfect game of Pandemic and still get utterly crushed. Like, if just the cards come up weird, there's literally nothing you can do about it, and you will just lose regardless of how well you have been playing up until that point. Um, and it's actually one of the... 
it's like a really bummer thing. Like it's just an annoying little thing about pandemic. Now some people love that, but me it drives crazy. Yeah. Uh, that is like a real life thing that I do not necessarily need in my doctor game. But this is right. and like and here's the weird thing is so I don't really I don't really love pandemic and I'm also not a huge like Cthulhu Lovecraft dude. But for No, I'd also I don't yeah. I don't take horror. But I love lo- like I really like Lovecraft-based board games, or at least, okay, I as it turns out, I really like um, Pandemic Cthulhu, and what was the, uh, what's the Arkham game, where, like, you're Arkham all horror. teaming together to, like, close gates and stuff? Uh, Arkham, Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror I really liked. Um, and, like, yeah, Pandemic Legacy is, like a million years. Pandemic Legacy is kind of like Arkham Horror. Where you are like a bunch of dudes in like those four towns bumping around trying to close the gates. But pandemic, pandemic Cthulhu is what you meant to say. Oh but yeah, yes. sorry. Um, no, pandemic Cthulhu is actually it's a uh, I think it's one of the rare because then this is a thing people do. There's like flavors of board games, right? There's yeah. like Risk. There's Risk Godstorm and Risk Hero Storm and Risk Geostorm. I heard that movie was very bad. Um, but there's all sorts of. But Pandemic Cthulhu, I think, is one of the rare ones that is actually a remarked, uh, a remarkable improvement on the original game. Like, Pandemic Cthulhu is, is way better than Pandemic. Yeah, because they took the opportunity not just to add some, like, flavor to it, but to also kind of, like, tweak the rules and change the board a little bit. And it makes yeah. it a lot more compelling in ways that I would be better able to articulate if I had played a lot more uh, Pandemic Vanilla, which I'm now realizing I haven't actually done a lot enough of that to like articulate what I preferred about this new version. But uh, if you do not like Pandemic and someone says, hey, do you want to play this weird version? Uh, give it a shot. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely is. I could, I actually could talk about it, I think, for a few minutes, but that doesn't sound funny. So, Matt, what <laughs> is our fourth star of the week? Uh, fourth star of the week, Dave, is. Time for a commute update. Commute update. Okay. Well, man, it never rains, but it pours. Uh, what's up with the commute? Okay, so update. this one update me. This one isn't actually pirate-themed, which I recognize is going to be a little disappointing to both you and our listeners. I was going to say, Matt. Hey, listen, it's not pirate up- It's not pirate car update. Uh, although, we, yeah, but I, I feel like if we get too I many like more of those... I the bit is developing a, or a flavor, Matt. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, anyways, listen, if, I'll withhold judgment. If it goes that way, eventually we will have to come up with a new theme. But for now, this is just a standard commute update. But it is kind of a... Okay, so I was driving home today, right? And we are yeah. now uh, post daylight savings. We are back into Ugh. standard time. Yeah, and so yeah, that means that by the time I'm driving home, uh, it is nighttime. You know, like the sun it's is just out. dark. It's dark at like four forty-five or Especially, something now. It's yeah, awful. Especially because like this time of year in Cleveland is always cloudy. So even if the sun isn't actually down, like the early sunset. Plus yeah, it's like the, you're done. That's yeah. Like yeah. there is not enough sunlight to get through what is left of the clouds. And so it's just dark, and I'm driving home. And on the route home, and I kind of always forget this, on uh, 77 North, when you are driving up towards Cleveland, you pass by a number of structures that I'm not actually sure what they are. There's either some kind of factory or steel foundry or something. But the, the Oh, and there's just like a giant gout of flame perpetually squirting out of one part of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, out of this one tower, because the rest of them are all smokestacks, but there is one tower out of which there is just perpetually, like, a gout of flame as tall as a house. Like, and it's just... Like a, a giant one. It's huge. Like, you can see it for literal miles. And uh, listen, I know that if you live near a place like this, uh, this is not, like, a huge weird thing for you. Um, and it should not be for me, and it kind of isn't, except when daylight savings time hits, because that means that instead of it being sort of like off in the distance, sort of like in and among other sources of light, as I'm driving home, there's just like this giant flame beacon, as though I have to like drive past Mordor to get to my apartment. <laughs> and it's very strange. And like, I will get used to it in a week or two, but for now, it's definitely as though like... I am just driving through the Thunderdome and like 
like there's just some guzzoline blasting up some flames as I'm trying to get home, which actually might yeah. tie back to that highway uh, pirate gang. Ah, uh, yeah, nice turn around. Uh, no, I know the spot. Well, I mean, obviously, I mentioned it. I know the spot you're talking about, and it is as many times as I drive past it, it is weirdly impressive. Yeah, like, it's one of those things that every once in a while I wonder, like, am I someday going to get in an accident because I'm just kind of looking at this huge ball of fire instead of watching the road? <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. But listen, there are a lot of accidents on that highway, and I think there's got to be a, like, non-zero percentage that are that are caused by people just rubbernecking looking at the big fire. <laughs> anyway, that's all there is to that. I just saw it on the way home from work, which was, like... Uh, half an hour ago while I was thinking of stars to talk about. So there you go. Dave, what is our fifth and final star of the week? So our fifth and final star of the week, Matt, is... Uh, so I run the drama club at our school, as I've, as I've mentioned. And uh, some parents have recently started, like, a support group for the drama... Like, that sounds weird. Like a booster club for the drama oh, okay. club. Like a secondary club, which is amazing. Because, like, I need all the help I can get. Because drama takes a ton of time, and I'm also very busy. So one of the dads who's sort of like leading the thing, he says, hey, um, uh, can I can we get together and like chat about some stuff, like some ideas that the kids and parents had at the meeting that like you weren't able to get to because you were already doing a different show. And I said, yeah, sounds great. So we sit down, we grab a cup of coffee and he says, well, you know, we're thinking about this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good or whatever. And he says, well, here's the one that the, the kids mentioned that they were really excited about. They're thinking about starting a podcast. And, it, <laughs> and in my head, I was just like, Oh, okay. That's something like, you know, I know about podcasts. Yeah, listen, I do a podcast. They've never been hotter. They've never been hotter. And I just, and I, and I, like on one hand, I was like, I love the enthusiasm that they are. They're like, let's do a podcast. And in my head, I was just like, on the other hand, I do know something about the, the business, I guess, of running a podcast and sort of like what it takes and like marketing and like all the kind of like nuts and bolts of it that are behind just like recording something. Right. Right. And so I just start talking about this and I'm like, Oh, cause I, I run this podcast and I've been doing it for like four years and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, I was just, I was struck by how much the podcast is now. The podcast is the new, like, you started a band in your garage. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, it's you started a band in your garage, you started an art zine, you, you, you know, you had, you created an art collect, like, whatever it is. Like, the podcast is the new version of that. And, like, everybody, like, Podcasts are hot right now. So, like, everybody hears podcasts like, oh, we'll just have a podcast. Without, I think, really considering what it is going to actually take. And I was, I, <laughs> I was just struck by, like, once I started talking to this, this dad about, like, everything that you would need, I realized how long the list actually is. <laughs> I and mean, it's a very long list. Like, it's not impossibly long, right? Like, basically, you need, like, a computer and some microphones. And that's... And a little bit of, like, know-how and gumption. But the other thing that you need is just, like, a couple of hours every week. And, like, right. the decision to not skip weeks. And I feel like when I was in high school, I did not have either of those things. Yeah, no, definitely not. Especially uh, so not the latter. thinking about a... Right. So there are, there are, you know, we're thinking about it. And I'm like, guys, I would love it to do project. It sounds great. So that's it. That's the good to start a podcast. That's very fun. Podcasts are very fun. Yeah, I Obviously. Think so. I think so. It would be weird if I did not think they were fun. That, that would be strange. Uh, but you know what else is fun, Dave? O-Ranger. We're going to watch episode four. Bizarre Iron Man Papa. And we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we just finished watching episode four, Bizarre Iron Man Papa, which is, we didn't actually talk about this in the opening because we were talking about other stuff. That is a beautiful title for an episode of television. Yeah, no, that was a really, it's very, very good. And also, weirdly apt. Like, that is actually a very good description of this episode, even though it sounds like a string of nonsense words. 
Uh, yeah, they actually they knocked it out of the park with that one. It is definitely it's well, it's definitely bizarre, and there is definitely a papa, and there is definitely a man made of iron. So in that way. Uh, it's super, super odd. So this episode starts uh, with a shot of Baranoia, uh, the machine empire. And we see Emperor Bacchus Roth, and he is super upset. Like, he's very, very angry. Uh, and he's like, ah, oh, we're going to destroy. I'm so angry that they're beating us. And uh, the worst prince, whose name I bulldont, is that his name? You got it. Right, yeah. I just He's literally in my notes as worst prince because I hate him so much. Uh, he <laughs> says, he says, dad. Look, he's like, listen, here's the deal. Stop focusing on everything else. Just focus on Japan because it's an island. So if we, it's like the perfect landing route. If we can take Japan, then we can like have a great place to launch. Because like right now we're launching these attacks from the moon. It's kind of a pain. If we can launch from Japan, we will be able to take over the rest of Earth so much easier. Which... Holy crap, thank you so much, O-Ranger, for providing an explanation as to why this supposedly global invasion is basically only happening in Japan. Yeah, I, I really love stuff like this, because all literally all it takes is five lines of dialogue, and then there is not a weird question hanging over the rest of the series. Right, I, okay, now listen, we have discussed this before, that if they gave us that, like, 15 seconds every time we wanted it, you and I would be out of a, not job, uh, out of a, an engaging and consuming hobby. Sure. But, like, <laughs> but I do love that they put it in, like, yes, just give me, like, the five seconds worth of narrative as to why you're only attacking Japan. So, um, so though I, England would have worked, sure, Madagascar would have worked, Australia, uh, any really one of the Caribbean island nations, Australia would have been good. Anyway, so everyone thinks sense. this is a great idea, uh, except for Bacchus Wrath, who, like, yells at Bull Don't and I think hits him with his scepter. Um, not yeah, because he, he thinks it's a bad idea, but because he wants to take credit for it. He's like, you're such an idiot little kid. I, of course I already thought of that, and that's what we're doing, so let's just do it now. I'm beginning to right. suspect, Dave, that Emperor Bacchus Wrath is not only a bad guy, but a poor father. Yeah, that I think, uh, yeah, you shouldn't hit your kids. That's a real first step. So he says... I don't know. Maybe rules launch. are different with robots. One can only assume, Matt. I mean, I don't have uh, my... I don't I don't hit my babies. Sure. So that's good. But my babies aren't also like robotic dog people with glowing heads. Sure. They're glowing not, like they're crystal not, crown heads. Your children are not evil robots from space. Yeah. So maybe if they children were evil robots from space, it... It would be okay. I, I but don't only know, if you Matt. were I'm also an evil situation. robot for space, Dave. There's a lot of cultural differences here. Well, I guess saying, what yeah, I'm saying is, I don't want to. Ethically, I don't want to presume my ethics upon the Baranoia Empire. I was going to say it's gray territory. Although they do refer to themselves as an evil machine empire, so I think well, that gives okay. us some. Anyways, so uh, we go from there, and so they launch Operation Human Beast Machine. That's what they do. Uh, so we go to the base, the O Ranger base, and there's an alert. And an object is arriving, so they all move out. And uh, so we we flip, and then we see the rangers. They're in a jeep, and they're sort of, like, driving around, not at a quarry, Matt. Yeah. Which I was kind of blown the, away by. Just sort of off the side of the highway. Now, we do we do get a shot here of uh, Barra Crusher, as his name is. Yeah. Uh, and Barra Crusher is super cool looking. He how, how would you describe this dude? He's mostly head, right? Yeah, he's mostly head. Imagine, if you will, a, like, mech warrior. Uh-huh. I don't know how good this description is going to be for everybody, but there's, like, you know, there's the mech warrior where it's basically, like, a pod, and then it's got, like, two grabby arms and then, like, a missile missile launchers on its shoulders? Sure, yeah. It's like, it's like the iconic mech warrior mech. It's yeah, like except that, it's except it's got a big, bulbous. bitey skull face. Yeah, yeah, it's bulbous, and it's got a big, bitey skull face. I want to say, Matt, it's called, like, the, that mech is called the Wild Cat or the Mad Cat or something like that. That is potentially true. I Sadly, I do not know as much about mech warriors I'd like. Um, uh, if only Josh were here. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, so he lands. He stomps off towards the city. A few minutes later, the O-Rangers, like, roll up on their Jeep, and I think it's Shohei sees... Like these footprints yeah, that are like he does. Oh, Matt! By the way, it is it is totally the Mad Cat. I feel real good about myself. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, thank you. 
And uh, it so actually, that is a very apt description. It super looks like the Mad Cat. Anyways. All right, well, just Google that. Or actually, I guess you can just Google Barra Crusher. Yeah, that's much easier. Um, so, so they yeah, go into town to go look for this dude. So hey, yeah. Uh, they roll into town and they they're sort of following the tracks. And then all of a sudden, the tracks stop, and so they just sort of park their jeep on the side of the road. All hop out, and they're ready to go hunting for this robot monster. Yeah. So they are. They're kind of looking around, and uh, well, as they park. Some kid like rolls up and starts like I think he's got a whistle. Oh, he's but definitely he got shouting. a whistle. Okay, so he starts shouting at them and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! You guys are parked illegally," which is a weird thing for the kid to say. But he calls his dad over. His dad is a policeman, so he's like, he's helping out dad. Like maybe it's like take your yelly son to work day. Yeah. So like. Well, the thing I love about this kid, and this kid's name is Hiroshi, he yeah. is like a sort of a annoying, shouty kid, but this kid is super into his dad, and it seems like yes, he really just wants to help is. him. He's like, my dad has this job as a policeman, and he's very good, and no one ever gives him any credit, so I'm going to be right. like his policeman scout and help him find S- crimes so that like he can get the recognition he deserves. Right. Which is, uh, I love and is adorable. Like It is adorable. Actually, it's probably against literally every police regulation. Yeah, I'm sure that can't be legal. So the, but the dad rolls over and he's like, huh, you guys are parked illegally. And they turn around and they're like, listen, um, it's kind of an emergency. And he's like, well, that's not really an excuse. And so Goro pulls out the O-Ranger ID card. Which is amazing. And the cop, yeah, I love that they have it. And the cop is like, Oh my gosh, like, O Ranger's like, I'm super sorry. Like, yeah, of course. Like, and he says, it's an emergency. Can we just, like, park here for a minute, please? And the cop's like, Oh my gosh, O Rangers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I get it. You guys have a lot going on. Yeah. Like, you go ahead and park like, here. Do you need any help? And the O Ranger's like, No, no, no. We need to go follow this robot. You, like, you guys have to stay out here because it's not safe for you. Yeah. Um, but, like, cool. Like, great job, sir. Yeah. So they go cool. running and, in. Uh, Hiroshi is. Like, has not forgiven these people for parking badly, and now right. is also upset with them because there is a giant killer robot on his dad's beat, and they are not letting him confront it, which means that he will not get any credit for it. And these, like, these yeah. glory hounds are just taking his dad's police credits. Yeah, what he wants is that his dad to get credit for being dead, because that is what would happen <laughs> if you fought like a giant robot. But Hiroshi does not understand that. So he's well, like, Dad, you got a. Yeah, so they uh, the rangers run in, and uh, people are, like, running out and screaming, and they, they jump down into the basement, and there's a little bit of, like, misdirection. They think they see the monster, then they don't, then they think they see it, then they don't, and then, like, a pipe bursts, and they run over oh. and check that out. There's a, there's a great shot in here where, like, the camera is sort of from the point of view of Barra Crusher, and it's, like, sneaking yes. up on them and then disappearing, and that happens once or twice. The last time it happens... Um, oh, man, I love this bit. Yeah, so it's that same point of view shot, but it is from inside Barra Crusher's mouth. So you just see, like, <laughs> so, these teeth coming up on the O-Rangers. It's super good. Yeah, um, it's, it's like, yeah, and so they just start fighting it, and um, they, they're they not really doing a whole lot, maybe because, like, they're in a basement or something. Uh, they're basically just punching it. But Barra Crusher, like, knocks over a barrel which is full of, like, some sort of flammable liquid, which seems like a bad thing to have just in the basement of an office building. Dave, listen, it's a barrel. That is, the, that is literally the only thing that has ever been in a barrel in a TV show, is something that is explosive. A uh, TV show and or video game, Matt. So they, he, this barrel, like, falls over, and it, it's, like, just dangerously near the furnace because this fuel does catch on fire, and then the rangers, like, get out of the way, but Baron Crusher is too slow and clumsy, so he gets, like, coated in the fuel and then is lit on fire, and so he is, like, freaking out, and he runs away. Yeah, and he, like, he gets outside, and the O-Rangers are chasing it, but before the O-Rangers are able to get a hold of it, like, it gets out first and confronts uh, Hiroshi's dad. Do we ever get that guy's name, yes. by the way? We just... Yeah, we do. It's a, Well, we get his last name is Otani. He's Officer Otani. Okay. So Officer Otani sees Barra Crusher do... And, you know, like, he's a 
he's a cop. He pulls his gun and he's like trying to beat this monster. Good for him. But it is not nearly sufficient. Right. Unfortunately, his like police gun does not have Cherokee energy in it. And so it is not doing dang all. Uh, yeah. So the, uh, the <laughs> so, Rangers run up. But, but by they henshin. Yeah. But by oh, this yeah, time, yeah, yeah. Sarah Crusher has just like chomped the heck down on Hiroshi or Officer Otami's arm. Like, yes. it is not a good scene for this dude. No, uh, he's all, like, it's mangled and gross. Uh, but the Rangers have shown up, and they henshin, and uh, they're already, obviously, like, a pretty, a lot looser with with when they're throwing the henshin out. Uh, although, I will say, so you, we almost always see, or have at least seen, Goro changes first. Like, he, because he's the leader, right? Uh-huh. I always think that Goro is about to turn into O'Green, Really? Because, like, well, when they go to Henshin, Matt, the light that comes... Because the Henshin sequence is, like, they get overlaid with, like, a holographic green grid overlay, and then, like, the suit appears around oh, them. Oh, right. And so the light that you see is always green, and it, like, flashes green on them first before you see their actual colors. And so there's, like, a hot second where I always think Goro is, for some reason, is going to turn into <laughs> O-Green... And then I remember, like, oh, no, 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 they're just all green. But that's still weird to me. Well, in, uh, in I Power feel like Rangers, they could have just made the grid. They could have made the grid the appropriate color. That would have been fine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really like it. And plus, that sort of, like, green laser grid was a sort of classic look. It, right, no, it's still... Why is that, I wonder? Um, I, uh, I'm anyways. sure it had something to do with old monitors that were, like, only black yeah. and green. Um, uh, so, anyways, so they... No, I, this isn't actually even a fight, like... Officer Otani gets his arm bit real hard, and then they just pull out King Smashers and blast Barra Crusher. Right. Barra Crusher is a fearsome foe, but not actually very durable. Um, and he just goes down. Yeah, that's it. Um, so we they go over there. to um, oh, yeah, Officer yeah, Otani, yeah, and they're like, okay, you're alive. Let's get you to a hospital. Hiroshi, I think, is freaking out, probably. That seems reasonable, yeah, right? I think he is, but like, it's not. It's not a super big element because we are clearly meant to like. Officer Otani has is wounded, but he's okay now. Like things are fine. We, we do see at this point that even though Barra Crusher has been destroyed, we cut to a shot of Acha and Kocha, the sort of the pair of uh, evil butlers, evil robot butlers from space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they are like they are happy. Things are going well in their plan. Yeah, which is a little bit weird, of course, because it seems like their monster has just been defeated. So we go from there back up to the moon, and Emperor Bacchus Wrath is furious. Like, he's so angry. Uh, but Acha and Kocha say, like, no, 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 sir. Like, it's fine. Like, this is cool. Like, don't sweat it. Like, just let the plan operate. So we go back from there, and we see um, Officer Otani. And Hiroshi, and they're at home, and it's that evening, I guess. I guess they have released Officer Otani. Yeah, he's got some bandages on his arm, but otherwise he no. seems fine. And he, like, is, like, holding his arm and sort of, like, grimacing, but in a way that is portentous. Like, this is not just like, oh, my arm hurts. Like, there's something, something is happening here. Right. So, Hiroshi is hungry. Um, you know, he's had a long day. That's reasonable. So, he, yeah, he starts to boil some cool. water, probably going to make some noodles. Um, but when he turns the burner on and Officer Otani, Otani or Otami? Otani, I believe. Otani, okay. Yeah. So when he sees the flame, he starts to freak out. Yeah, and he's like twitching and, well, twitching. I was going to come up with like other words that also meant twitching, like convulsing and writhing. Yeah, no, but he's just twitching. You get the idea. Yeah, well, be and because, right... Bara Crusher was defeated by fire. So, it but Dave, why would out, why would Officer Otani be afraid of fire? Because he's not Bara. Well, Crusher. because Matt Bara Crusher I, is well, dead. Remember from that earlier scene. Well, Matt, it turns out that Bara Crusher is basically like a vampire werewolf thing. Oh and yes, so he is. Officer Otani is becoming. I guess not the Barra Crusher, but a Barra Crusher? I suppose that's how that works. Oh, yeah, dude. He has become the Barra Crusher, but he's like a wear Barra Crusher. He's a wear a Crusher. Uh, he's a wear a Crusher. Good. So he starts because he's, uh, well, we'll see in a second. But he, like, 
he freaks out and then like Hiroshi turns to him and then dad like kind of pops up and he's got just a crusher mouth. Yeah, like okay. half of his face is turned into Barra Crusher face. Yeah. The rest uh, of him the is sizing fine. is weird because Barra Crusher has a giant face. Right. But the rest of him is fine, right. But he freaks out. And he runs away. Hiroshi chases after does. him. But like by the time he gets to around the corner where Officer Otani had gone, Officer Otani is no longer there. He is now only Barra Crusher. He like turns around and right. he grabs Hiroshi and he's like, ah, I'm a monster. Right. He says something to uh, those we yeah, we see uh, a happy family. They're eating dinner. And um, Officer Otani, like, walks by in his human form and then busts through the wall in Barra Crusher form. Okay. So whatever this change, okay, it's Dave. very fast. And well, I don't know why he goes back to being Officer Otani. It's like a stealth mode, maybe? Either there's a stealth mode or it's just like, you know, he's sort of fluctuating back and forth. My favorite part of this scene is that you see Officer Otani outside. And then you cut to the inside where like a little girl is staring at him. And then the camera pulls back and you look at the wall that is behind her. And if you look at that wall for more than a fraction of a second, you can so easily tell the line in that wall, like where it is a false wall that he is about to break through. Like that wall has been... a bar crusher shaped hole. It has been so clearly like just scored to the point where like... A feather could bust through that wall. It is amazing. Uh, well, it's not a feather. It it's is a giant crushers. evil robot. It was also yeah, a dad. So, but, he is a bizarre Iron Man papa. Right. So Bar Crusher like reaches heat and he grabs the girl. So he grabs the girl, and then we get a couple other shots. There's a kid on a bike, and then there's the crusher, and then there's like somebody else. But the point is, is that Bar Crusher is kidnapping kids. Yes. Uh we flip back to the base. And we are updated. They say, like, Barra Crusher has taken five children. And uh, I think it's Goro, but it may have been Yuji, is like, well, how? There haven't been any beasts arriving. Yeah, like, Like, we've been monitoring the skies. Yeah, this is not possible. And, like, we have, like, Barra Crusher's body, like, being examined in our basement. Yeah. So we go from there to the police station. And Officer Otani's at the station, and he is reporting the missing monsters, the, the missing monsters, the missing kids. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the the O-Rangers at this point, when they're looking at the children that have been kidnapped, they recognize that one of them is Hiroshi. Oh, that's right. Thank you. So they're going to call so, Officer Otani and see what the deal is. Yeah. So they he's at the, he's at the station, and he's calling to report these missing children. So either... He is, like, experiencing some conflict, like he feels bad about capturing them, or we're in, like, a full-on werewolf situation where he just is unaware of anything that's happening during his, like, Barra Crusher episodes. Or he is full Barra Crusher, who is, like, disguising himself as Officer Otani, and he's sort of going through the motions to not throw off, like, you know, suspicion. Oh, that could be too. We don't know yet. I mean, we're going to find right. out. Uh, so don't, uh, don't freak out. Another one it. of his police we'll colleagues come in and is like, hey, man, uh, sorry, your kid is like kidnapped by a giant evil robot. And Otani's like, yeah, man, it sucks. You know, we've got to do the job. But like, we'll we'll find him. Like, we'll do good police work. We go back from there to the base again. And Commander Mira calls all the rangers down to his office. And he says, listen, here's the deal. Like, we've been examining Barra Crusher. And yes, Barra Crusher is dead, but... In its, like, mouth or bloodstream or something, we have found these metal amoeba. Like, they're nanobots, basically. Yeah. It's like, we found these nanobots. These were nanobots sort of before sci-fi had an easy word of, for yeah. them. Or at least, I don't know, that might not be true. But this show clearly does not know the word nanobot and has decided to use metal amoeba, which is pretty which is, good. And also a great band is. name. Uh, oh, yeah, that would be true. Uh, we should sort of ban, man. Uh, we can't. We already have a podcast. So he says, listen, here's the deal. The metal amoebas, if they get into somebody's like bloodstream or whatever, are going to multiply, and they will turn that person like into metal. And I, by that, of course, he means like it will turn them into Barra Crusher. Right. So we are in a it's, – it's a werewolf situation, okay? Yeah. So the – our heroes at this point realize, like, oh boy, that's bad because Officer Otani one hundred percent got bitten yesterday. Right. So, like, if kids are getting kidnapped, it's it's cop dad. It's it's Officer Otani. So he says, okay, 
um, like we've got to roll, like we've got to find this dude, we've got to figure out what's going on, and and try and help. Back to the base, and uh, the coworker, his fellow police officer, just goes to light a cigarette because that's something you were and, allowed to do on children's shows in the nineties. Yeah. It's something you were allowed to do everywhere and anywhere in the nineties, Matt. And so the like, remember smoking sections in restaurants? In like restaurants. that was a thing. Like. In restaurants, you would go, and people would just be smoking in like, the restaurant. Like, welcome to like, Bob Evans. Do you want to, like, sit next to someone who's smoking while you have a pancake? It's very weird in retrospect. It's, like, yeah, I was going to say, it absolutely made sense at the time. And I remember being, I remember being weirded out when there weren't smoking. Like, when everybody got rid of them. But in retrospect, it was very strange. Yeah. So, um... Anyways, so he goes to light a cigarette, and Officer Otani sort of freaks out, and he he does the little like half change, and then he all the way changes into Barra Crusher, and he attacks the coworker, and then the most horrifying moment I think in a Super Sentai episode yet. Oh, it's very bad. Oh, oh, it makes me shudder just thinking about it. So, but I'm going to tell you anyways. So Goro and Yuji are arriving at this point, but sort of yeah. as this is happening, the worst thing happens. Yeah, Barra Crusher, like, reaches over and, like, forces this dude's mouth open and from his mouth launches a metal amoeba into the dude's mouth. Yes. And then that that dude, like, collapses because now there's a metal... And by the way, the metal amoebas at this... Like, the one that went into his mouth, that is not nanobot-sized. It is, like, I don't know, the size of a hamburger. Like, you can yeah, fit a whole hamburger, not. like a whole McDonald's hamburger in your mouth if you try really hard, and that is the size of this thing. Matt, how do you, do you know that for sure? Like, um, I mean, I have a recollection of in high school shoving an entire hamburger into my mouth. Oh, yeah, Matt, that's why I asked you that story, because I, like, bet you a dollar that you couldn't do it, and I lost that bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so anyways, yes, you can't fit an entire McDonald's cheeseburger in your mouth, provided your mouth is at least vaguely mat-shaped or sized. Not yes. the size of the entire mouth. No, I would not want your mouth to be mouth. either mat-shaped nor sized. Yeah, that would be very weird. Uh, anyways, so the rain, like the Rangers rush in, Barra Crusher runs out, and they sort of like Heimlech this dude. And then they like, no, 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 they don't. I'm sorry. They, yeah, they're not. Because they don't know it's in there. Like, his mouth just opens up, and this thing jumps out of it towards them, and they, like, knock it to the ground, grab an aerosol can and a lighter, and just kill the thing with fire, which is, A, a good move, and, B, a move straight out of the James Bond movie uh, Live and Let Die, when Roger Moore is in, like, the little cabana in... um, Is it in Jamaica? It's... it's, I actually don't think it's in Jamaica. Yeah, I think so. Um... It's around, the but yeah, you know, when he's done in the Caribbean in that movie, and he goes to the little like bungalow hotels, yeah, and yeah. there is a snake that gets like let into the room while he is shaving, and he turns around and like blows some aerosol can past his like the lit end of his cigar to kill it. Uh, it is exactly yes. the same, except yeah, all been... of the details that are different. Right, right. I mean, I would have been fine if they had burned the entire film reel because again, that's a horrifying moment. Um, but killing the monster <laughs> is good too. <laughs> So um, we go from there, and we see the kids, and they're in, like, a factory, and they're all trapped, and they're strapped down to these beds. And uh, the straps have, like, hands, which is kind of weird, but also cool. Yeah, Um, which leads me to wonder, because this is a machine empire, are those, like, regular straps that have been decorated with hands, or are these benches, like, low-tier robots whose only purpose is to, like, grab people? I choose to believe the the second. I think that's actually uh, that's much much cooler. Because if all if so, you live an entire society where everything is just like something that comes out of a robot factory, you kind of have to assume that everything is on some level a, like a single purpose or multi purpose robot. Yeah. So the this is where the I I forget who's explaining it. Is it Bulldog is down there explaining this whole plan? Uh, Bulldog is down there, I believe. Okay, so he explains. He says, "Listen, here's what we're gonna do." Like, we're going to turn you guys into Barra Crushers, too, and then you'll go out and bite more people and more people and more people, and eventually just everybody in Japan will be a Barra Crusher. So he's going to... Their plan is to take over Japan using the techno-organic virus. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so n- none of these kids are like the world's most powerful telekinetic, so they're pretty boned. Um, so the Rangers arrive. Yeah, they arrive just in time to say like, no, you'll never do that. Yes. So the Rangers arrive. Uh, they hench in. They fight immediately. It's actually a pretty fun fight because they are they're doing a lot, I think. They're paying a lot more attention to the individual fighting styles of the Rangers. Like, Goro is definitely doing karate, and Yuji is definitely doing gymnastics, and Sohei is definitely boxing. Um, Um, Oh, and while they are having this fight, all of the kids are being menaced. There is one of those metal amoebas on each of their chests, like, climbing up towards their faces. Yep, this episode just doubles down on a horrifying moment, because that's another literal nightmare. (laughs) Um, does something, you're strapped down and something is crawling towards your mouth to crawl into it. Yep, that's the worst. Um, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, so, so we're having this fight. The kids are being menaced. Everything is going pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, um, Goro is being held by the neck, I believe, is in my notes. Yeah, I believe so. Oh, and Hiro- but Hiroshi calls out to his dad because he knows, because yeah. he watched him transform, that the Barra Crusher right, is Officer Otani. And he's like, no, dad. And then we see Otani Crusher is is conflicted. Like, what's he going to do? So he fights. And Bulldog is like, like, there's no way. Them. Your dad is dead forever. Right. Uh, but he's not. And then there's now there is a key moment where there's more fire and the fire sort of like weakens Barra Crusher enough that, like, Otani can kind of assert himself. So Otani frees... I, I thought he was going to free the children. He does not. He frees his child. Like, the rest of the kids, he just leaves. <laughs> sure. Well, you know, he's only partially free of being right. Barra Crusher. So they they get outside, and he turns... Barra Crusher turns back into Officer Otani, and he has no idea what has happened. Right, but Hiroshi like is immediately yeah. like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Everything's okay. None of this is your fault. Like, there's something inside of you that was causing all this to happen, but, like, we can beat it. It's okay. Yeah. And Which, so again, like, says, way, like, to, way to go, Hiroshi. Like, super supportive yeah. kid. Um, And so he's like, what? It's inside of me? And he starts, like, hitting himself, which is sort of an odd moment. Um, or maybe he's just, like, convulsing. Because the Rangers show up, and he says to them, he says, you need to take Hiroshi and run. And he pulls out his pistol, like his officer's pistol, and points it at his own head. Yeah, see, this this is where this episode of O-Ranger gets, like, late-game Jetman raw. Because yeah, Officer Otani goes from, like, oh, there's a problem inside of me. I must, like, like I, I can only think of one way to solve this, um, and this is about to happen. Like, don't come any closer... I'm going to do it, and just, like, runs into a burning building, holding himself hostage. Right. Which, like, dude, when they say Iron Dad, I they are talking about Officer Otani's, like, giant heart and iron-clad commitment to, like, his family and the safety of Japan. Officer Otani is a straight boss. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is maybe not the best reaction to a situation like this. Uh, but he's having a day. So, uh, so like, there's a moment where he, like, Hiroshi is, like, calling after him, and he's like, Dad! And Hiroshi, Otani's like, no, stay away! Um, uh, oh, and Goro and follows him into yeah. the uh, the burning building. Right. So O-Red runs in uh, to stop him. Now, this is where he turns back, in, Otani does, turns back into Bara Crusher. Um, so then there is a fight. Uh, well, I say fight. What it is is the three men are fighting, and then the two lady rangers are watching the kid. Which I only bring up because there is like this, as great as O-Ranger is, there is like this weird vein of sexism. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like threading through O-Ranger. It's like... Which I don't feel like I've seen, especially like coming off Conquer Ranger. Yeah. And, okay, here's uh, the craziest thing, is that um, Jury and Momo... Whenever they are in, like, whenever all five of them are in any sort of conflict, like, they are every bit as competent. And in Jury's case, like, I think Jury is, like, the crusher of the team. Like, if you're going to leave one, like, if you're going to leave two people behind, like, 
Jerry's not going to be one of them. Like, leave Yuji. I was going to like, right. <laughs> she is, I, yeah. So I don't know why they do this, but they do. Well, so I mean, anyways, Dave, I think uh, we know why they do it. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, um, O-Red, so they're fighting. O-Red sort of, like, realizes that, like, he's try, he's piecing together all of this stuff. He's like, oh, Bara Crusher has some sort of weakness to fire. Right. Like, something is going off. Something is going on there. Um, and they somehow manage... Um, let me look at... It, we're getting near the end of the episode, which means we're getting near the end of my notes... Which means that my notes are getting more and more cramped because, like, I'm trying to fit it all on one piece of paper. Right. Well, basically, like, they use the fire. They get it. He flips back from, like, he flips kind of rapidly back and forth between Otani and Barra Crusher. So what happens is that O-Red manages to, like, grapple with Barra Crusher and holds him, like, next to the flame. But since Barra Crusher can't get away... Like the the metal amoeba inside him, like reacts to the fire and needs to get away from it, so it jumps out of uh, uh, Officer Otani's mouth, and then they blast yeah. it. Um, and then so that's basically the end yeah, of I mean, uh, of Barra There's Crusher. a bit where they have to explain. I'm sorry, they have to escape an exploding building, right? Uh, and this building goes up. Uh, this building goes up like fireworks. Oh, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Like, this building explodes super crazily. So, everybody everybody gets out and everybody escapes. The next scene is on a beach for reasons I don't totally understand. Well, because it's dramatic, um, Dave. That's where you shout oh, at yeah, the moon. Yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, where you go you. to shout at the moon. You either go to a beach or you, like, stand on a mountaintop in your secret science space. Uh, so it's a it's a cool moment. Everybody's cool, and uh, like everything is. They've rescued everyone. Hiroshi and Officer Atani are back together. The Rangers are victorious. Uh, there is a great moment where Goro like turns and looks up at the moon, and he says, "Wretched paranoia. What do you think humans are? Like you thought you would be able to turn us, but you like how little low do you think of us? Um, uh, and then he, and then he, that's the end of the episode. Well, he also then says, "We will destroy the despicable lot of you," which is oh yeah. great. That's a good line. That's a powerful line. Um, so yeah, so that's that for the uh, that's it, man, for for that episode. But it's not it for our episode, Dave, because we need to figure yeah. out where Barrett Crutcher lands in the Creature Royale. So I dig this monster uh i think it's a real first of all i think he's got a cool look and uh it's a great episode yeah and, like uh, the other thing about it is like it is a neat it's a neat concept we have seen like super tiny monsters before but we've never seen one that is like a like a you know like, like you a get virus, infected with it of. yeah and theoretically could like be turning more and more monsters more and more people into a monster just like you which i think is a, a really really neat idea okay so here's a good so, starting point i think the other monster that i can think of that transforms people into monsters was kama itachi the sickle weasel now he did it by means of like a, an evil potion that turned children into like other smaller sickle weasels yes uh, but i did. do think that's a reasonable starting place yeah, so of these, I actually think I think I think Barra Crusher is is higher on this list. I think it's kind of a neater concept, and I mean, also I just think the concept. Ep- but Kama Itachi had a jetpack, Dave. Okay, yeah, um, but I just I just don't I want mean, you to Barra forget Crusher that. Is, yeah, okay. Barra Crusher is basically a robotic street shark with missile pods, though. So Okay, well, when you put it like that, Dave, a robotic yeah, street um, shark with missile pods that is also a vampire werewolf, that's a pretty right. strong concept. That's a pretty good monster. Um, and then also, like, there's Officer Otani and Hiroji, like, the relationship between them. And the oh, fact sure. that, like, Officer Otani's immediate reaction is like, what, I'm a danger to the people I love? Time to die. Like, that's hard as nails, man. Officer Otani rules. Yeah, I mean, okay, um, listen. It is it is the official position of the Super Sentai Brothers podcast that if you are in trouble, that is not a good solution to jump to, but it made a good narrative Well, point. okay, yeah, but it's a great thing. So, um, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go nuts, but, like, I'm kind of looking around. 
I like him better than Enra Enra, the pollution monster. And I think I like him better than Light Armadillo. Okay, but I don't think I like him more than Omukade, the football centipede Santa Claus. Well, okay. Now, if it were just monster on monster, I'd probably give it actually to Bara Crusher. But uh, Omukade is runs a Santa village. So that's huge. Right. That's but, very uh, I'm big. I'm cool with... Yeah. Uh, so I would say right below Omukade, honestly. Okay. So that makes him our new number 39 on the list. Yeah. And uh, a record, a like a way far out record for Bara monsters. Oh, yeah. This is... This, I think, is like the first... I mean, the other ones are fun. This is like the... But this is the first real contender. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, there he is, Matt Spot 39 on the Creature Royale. Well, that, Dave, is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the stuff that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's what's going to help new people find the show um, or wherever you get the show. Uh, that would be a huge help to us, and we would thank you quite a bit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, such as uh, my James Bond podcast with Jake Mason called Spectre, uh, the Dr. No episode of that went up last week. Uh, if you want to find any of those, they're either in iTunes or you can find them at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Uh, once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth. Okay.